When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch. There is only one way to start today. Pavarotti and O Sole Mio, my sunshine. Well, the sun is shining in Italy today for sure after last evening. What a match. I watched it without a break from start to finish till the final penalty kick. Oh, my word. Congratulations, Italy. Commiserations, England. But I'm afraid, England, your manager got it completely wrong. Scored early on, totally dominant, sat back to defend, changed the formation took Declan Rice out when he was the outstanding player in the middle of the field, left it too late to bring Grealish on and Sancho and Rashford coming on with seconds remaining at the end of extra time to take the key penalties along with a kid called Saka, brilliant kid from Arsenal. You can practice penalty kicks on the training ground all you want but it comes down to bottle and you can't practice bottle. You either got it Oh, you haven't. And Italy had it spadesful last night. I have to say, Mancini the master. Chiellini and Bonucci, centre-halves. Look at the age of both of them. Donnarumma, the keeper, 22 years of age. 
Chiesa, oh my word. Remember Italy didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Ah, yes, they deserve a round of applause. <laughs> and uh, they didn't qualify. Mancini took over. They're now 34 games unbeaten. My word. And they well deserved to win that game last night. They were by far the better team and deserving winners of the tournament overall. England, well, there is the next World Cup coming up quickly in 2022. They have to qualify all right for it. It's December of that year. They will be contenders. And they will take a lot, I'm sure, of learnings from last night. But my God almighty, what about the English fans? Before the game, gang of them breaking into Wembley. Um, you know, the booing at the national anthem. And they've done it all tournament. Absolutely disgraceful. They have no respect for anybody. And it's a sizable element of them, I have to say. I saw them in Dublin many moons ago when they rioted when Ireland played them as well. And that element has followed England round the world for years and years. And they disgraced them. They disgraced the team, the nation, everything about them. They are simply shocking. And what about the social media abuse that's followed for those young players? Have they any gumption at all? What are they like? Young players like that need support at this time going forward. To absolutely pillory them online. You're a disgrace. Everyone who did that, you're an absolute disgrace. But look, the best team won. Italy are the European champions and well done to them. And we're going to talk to uh, some people. Well, we're going to go to Italy in a moment. But uh, first off today, I met him on late lunch uh, a few years back. His uh, sport is cycling, but he is, of course, Italian. And I'm sure he's a happy man today. Matteo Cagalla, hello again. Hello. Thank you very much for the invitation. How are you today? I am really good, but don't mind me. How are you? Well, I'm over the moon. Delighted for the win of my nation last night and... Yeah, couldn't be couldn't be happier, you know. Were you? I, I take it you were watching the game like myself. Oh yeah, from start to finish, and uh, yeah, obviously was a was a was a difficult start. Uh, suffered the first half, I have to say, but uh, the player really maintained the calm and just really played a perfect game and got the score on the second half and went to the penalty and and finished it off perfectly, you know. Matteo, did you believe that they could do it? You said it was a difficult first half. It was. Now, England, early on, it looked like it was going to be two, three goals uh, very early and game over. Did you feel that? Well, as you mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, you know, 33 games unbeatable before um, reaching the final was, of course, um, a, a positive thing for Italy. And, and that shows the calm of the player. Um, yeah, they got that score earlier from England and they were they were down one, but um, yeah, I, I I still believe it. And uh, and when I see the the player, you know, getting really good game, uh, and then that score. When I saw that score, I knew that uh, we were going together because uh, uh, even when, when when we went to the penalty, I mean, Donnarumma is an exceptional uh, goalkeeper. Um, it was obviously a, a hard call because it's always a, a matter of luck, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I was quite confident, you know, when uh, when we went in the second half and, and scored that scored that goal, you know. Matteo, the penalty kicks—it must be like I, I know I watch it as a neutral, but you know, for you supporting Italy, could you bear to watch? Were you holding your head in your hands on any occasion, or did you s- uh, stare at the television at, at all time? At all time, especially when uh, Jorginho failed the, the the penalty. That was the penalty for the win. 
I was just, uh, oh, I couldn't believe it because we were just so close to the win. And then Donnarumma really played off uh, perfectly with that, um, with that, with that last, uh, you know, uh, kick uh, there. He, he was able to to keep it out and and save it in the final. And uh, yeah, uh, he deserved it for sure the player of the tournament but uh, I'm delighted not just for the obviously the team and the fans but I think Chiellini and Bonucci you know 34 and 36 years old mm. you know they they were with the national team really straight after the World Cup the, so they never really won any big trophy except for you know the, the Italian trophy yep. so the first really big trophy now uh, to finish off their career is uh, is unbelievable so um, certainly, I'm sure he's uh, well. Was the best night of their life, you know. Mm, and to go to London, to Wembley, England's home ground, with the vast majority of supporters for them, everything looking towards an English win, and to win it in the Lions' den, Matteo. Yeah, I was reading and and, and some report and looking an interview, and I think the Italians uh, they had like a, a sort of extra motivation uh, to be. To be in London, to 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 beat England there, and obviously as well, hearing the the blues and all of that, I think they just really got that um, into their favor. I think they motivate even more, and uh, yeah, really delighted because uh, they really deserve it from from start to finish. I think you know. Uh, had you any other Italians in your company in County Meath last night, or were you alone? Were you surrounded by Irish? Any English fans, or where did you watch it? I was at home, but uh, oh, right. the only the only Italian. But uh, um, I have a lot of friends and uh, over here, and every single person was really, you know, um, um, supporting Italy. So it was uh, it was a great uh, a great uh, booze, you know, um, mm. getting that, you know. So I was yeah, very very happy and and delighted as well for all of the the Irish friends uh, um, over here that they were supporting Italy as well. So. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, great, great stuff all the way. Stay there for a moment. If you want to comment, yeah. folks, if you have something to say about last night's game, have you an opinion on the outcome? Italy, are you uh, an English fan listening to us today? An Irish fan who was watching in a neutral capacity, which I doubt very many were. But if you have something to say about last night's game, we want to hear from you on Late Lunch. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. That's 086-1800-658-1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Now, let's move from County Meath to uh, Italy itself and a man from the northeast, Tommy O'Rourke. He's from Dundalk originally and he's living about 50 kilometres north of Rome. Tommy, how are you? Nice, nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you too. I'm just imagining. Come on, tell us the story. Where did you watch the game last night? Well, I, I watched it at home, my son Christopher. And afterwards, um, I went over and collected my daughter Emma and my granddaughter Aoife, and we went out and joined the motorcade going round the village <laughs> with the flags and everything. Oh, it was a great atmosphere. <laughs> I'm sure it was, Tommy. So you watched yeah. the game so you could watch it and take it all in. Tommy, tell me honestly, yeah. as an Irish neutral living in Italy, I say Mar, yeah, uh, did you think they were going to do it after they went that early goal down? I did when, um, you mentioned it earlier, when um, the, when Italy made the changes yep. and England didn't go out and keep attacking, I just had a funny feeling that Italy were going to do it, but I, I thought it would be... A, 
within extra time. I didn't think it would go to penalties. Mm, yeah, and like, you know, you have to examine what Southgate did. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. On the front foot, on the front foot, changing the formation, trying to hold what they had, you know, the substitutions, yeah. as I said, everything, Tommy. I, it puzzles me, honestly. I look at it and think, oh my God, I think he's completely off the mark altogether. But anyway, out you go after the game. It's mad, is it? Is it mad in the village? Mad! Yeah. Absolutely mad. It was a great atmosphere. As I said, we joined a, a, a convoy of cars. I'd say 25 to 30 cars all together in the convoy, circling the whole village. And the number of teenagers out was incredible. Because the simple fact is, as my daughter was saying to me, Emma, most of them wouldn't have been uh, born yeah. uh, when Italy last won in 2006 the World Cup. Yeah. And some of them that were there would have been only about three, four years old. Mm. So it was their first time to really celebrate an Italian victory. And it was a fantastic atmosphere. No trouble whatsoever. And that is the way it should be. Celebration and celebrating and enjoying. And look at... It, it, winning is fantastic. Losing is part of sport as well. There can only be one winner. And if you lose, you should be gracious in defeat and accept it. And wait, there's another tournament coming, as I said, the World Cup shortly. I'm sure the celebrations went into the early hours, Tommy. Oh, yeah, the fireworks were still going around a quarter three this morning. And um, like, I, was, I, was driving, I drove around the village and I was staying in the convoy. And we were out till... Well, it was about a quarter to one yeah. after the match here, a quarter to one here. It would have been a quarter to 12 your time. Yeah. And it was absolutely fantastic. But those two war horses in the, cent- in the, the centre-backs yeah. for Italy were absolutely fantastic. Mm. You know? Mm. Stock- oh, at one stage, Saka thought he was through the gates and away. <laughs> and Galini wasn't... <laughs> no. Give me a he just gave him a little tug in the he back did. of the neck, you know what I mean? He did. He did. He, he, he took the card for the team. Yeah, Chiellini and Benucci, as Matteo said there, were absolutely outstanding. So, obviously, yeah. like Tommy, I don't have to tell you, Italy ha- has been through an horrific uh, nearly 18 months at this stage with COVID. Yeah. It was hit worse than any of the European country. The fatalities, the lockdowns. This must be some shot in the arm for everybody. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, you see that... As far as I know, the whole country now is white. So um, the, the fact that they're able to get out and watch it in bars and, and yes. get the atmosphere yes. is it, absolutely fantastic. And, and it's great morality boost, moral boost for the, the whole nation. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And as I say, I was no, for this competition, I wasn't neutral whatsoever. I was with... I was shouting Italy on from the very start and so yeah. was the whole family. Yeah. So we I, had a great time. It yeah. really was. I know you messaged me and you were telling me early on in the tournament that you were up for them and you would hope that they would do it. And what you mean by white, yes, the different white, it goes through to uh, green, uh, amber, orange, uh, red, you know, for the different oh, yeah. levels of COVID. So people were able in Italy last night to go out and enjoy. Stay there, Tommy, a second. Back to Matteo. Are you a little bit jealous, Matteo? You weren't? At home last night. Well, I have to say, I I wish uh, I was uh, in that atmosphere. And obviously, when I was looking at you know um, social media uh, after the game, you know, friends uh, and family, you know, um, celebrating on the street, and yeah, it was a great great to watch. So I was a little bit jealous of them that they were able to you know go out there and party and enjoy it. But uh, 
you know, it's still still uh, really enjoyable uh, to to be here and 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 celebrate from a distance. You know, mm. you have a great footballing tradition, Matteo. I know you're involved in the cycling game yourself and great cyclists, great sports people across the board. But you just have something Italian football. You know, that's their sixth major trophy now: four World Cups, two European Championships. What's the secret, Matteo? Why are you so good? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, not just in cycling, but other sports, like as you mentioned. Uh, uh, sorry, not not just in soccer, but also yeah. cycling and other sports, as you mentioned. Um, Italy has, has been always uh, very good. Obviously, it's a big big nation, a um, lot of people, uh, so they can develop the talent. And there is an history of of many many years of of training and and and, and win. So I'm sure the coaches and the and the whole setup is. Uh, is uh, a top level, so I think a, mi- a mix of a mix of talent and and the history and setup and and starting from young age, I think uh, really helped. Uh, I think it's the same with uh, with Ireland and rugby, you know, uh, <laughs> that kind of way. So when a lot of people play, eventually you get the the right people and the and the right team, and and every now and then. <laughs> You know, a trophy comes back, uh, yes. comes back to Rome. <laughs> yes, it does. It's coming home. No way. It's coming to Rome. Is the uh, is the outcome of last night? It certainly is. Well, listen, listen. It's been fifteen years. It's been fifteen yes. years since the last yeah, big yeah, trophy, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was very young mm. uh, when we won the World Championship, and uh, yeah, the World Cup was was incredible. But mm. uh, yeah, after fifteen years, is uh, is great. Ah, it's fantastic. Listen, gentlemen, thank you both for enjoying me. Matteo, uh, good luck with the cycling and all you do and uh, wallow and enjoy this wonderful success. And Tommy, out you go this evening and join the locals. Thank you. Thank you. Good (laughs) man, good man. Thanks a million. God bless you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Matteo Kigala there, speaking to us from County Meath and Tommy O'Rourke, formerly from Dundalk, living in Italy, a long time now, north of Rome. Thank you for your comments. They're coming to me. Keep them coming. What did you make of the match last night, the outcome? Are you sad if you were supporting England today? And rightly, you should be sad as well, but be proud of them getting to the final, and how well they did. What about the Italian contingent? Are you out there, Italy fans, today? What do you think if you have a view let me know 086-1800-658 whatsapp or text me to the show afternoon jerry camera's a bitch tough times england the best team won plus it was a european member italy says melissa in drogheda this afternoon the english supporters jerry very unsporting in booing the italian national anthem uh, uh, and I, I think it's shocking when fans, as a listener, do that. Shocking, disrespectful. I feel for the players, but why did all the English players take off their runners-up medals just after receiving them? You see, it meant nothing to them. They wanted gold, not silver. That's the way players feel in the moment, I can tell you. Brendan says, Mama Roma was smiling down from heaven on the Italian team last night. Yes, Mama Roma from Dundalk. Of course she was. Uh, Peter's been on my good friend Peter to say I predicted it you did Peter you were right you said it would go to penalties and Italy would win and uh, football's gone to Rome says Peter this afternoon it certainly has Louise welcome back thanks Jerry. I missed you 
You did, yeah. <laughs> I d- yeah. Of course I missed you. I did indeed. Were you watching the game? I actually was, yeah. Were you? Yeah, imagine that. I couldn't actually watch the penalties. I was. I had my hands up to my eyes. <laughs> I was just kind of looking through them at the end. Come off it. Oh, yeah. It was Italy, Louise. I know we love them and we love watching football and that as well. Imagine if it was Ireland. I know. Ah, we'd be out for the count altogether, wouldn't we? God, sure we wouldn't With be here penalties. today. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I felt s- so sorry for the the young lads. Though, yes, that the I say it again. It's tough on them. But remember, Louise, the professional footballers they yeah. paid huge money. That's true. You know what I mean. And it's the it's their job as well. And there's a lot of pressure with it. But there are a lot of question marks as well. You do feel for anyone who misses the vital kicks when it comes to the penalty shootout. But you know, I am delighted for Italy after Ireland that I love with my heart. Italy is my second favourite country, as you know, in this world. I love to go there. Please, God, I'll get there again. It's fabulous. I love the people, the food, the place, the way they are. They're laid back. They're not laid back on the football field, I can tell you that. Mm. They know how to win, so they do. They really do. It was a fantastic finale to the whole competition because the two weeks, or the month of football, should I say. Would you have predicted the two of them in the final? Well, Italy were on that long, long run. You know, uh, Louise, I'm going to tell you this today. You know a Wednesday club? Yeah. Brian Riley, very good, knows the sport really well. We had a little meeting. He says, Italy will win. I changed his mind and got him to back. <laughs> I got him to back France. Oh, what kind of a gobdog am I on you on Brian, Wednesday. I'm sorry. Brian, I'm sorry. I say it on, on the airwaves today, but there you go. That's the bit of crack we have around it. Anyway, coming up after two on late lunch, Emma Jane Leeson is with me. Very interesting woman. New book called Ode to a Tomboy. Stay with us on Late Lunch. But heading towards news and weather at two and your bingo numbers beforehand, let's stay on the Italian theme with Mr. Dean Martin. When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore Larry Clark from the Navin Cycling Club has been on to us and he said he'd like to congratulate the Italian team in winning the Euro final and also to Matteo Kigala, who was with us earlier on the show, who won the Tommy Brady Memorial Cycling Race on Saturday. God, we didn't know that at the time. We'd have given him high praise for it. But well done, Matteo. Congratulations to you. And thanks, Larry, for letting us know about that one there. Let's get to some more of your comments. England should have gone out, Jerry, against Denmark. The Sterling penalty was dodgy, to say the least, says a listener. Kevin's been on to say, ban English fans until they learn how to behave and respect people and country's national anthems. Thank you for that. John's on to say, thank God Jerry Italy won. Another lister on to say, where was Shaw and Maguire and the diver Sterling when they were needed? As I said, I'll only ever support England when they play you-know-who. Um, Catherine's been on to say, Luke Shaw to score first. I had it. I had a bet in it, Jerry. Won €154. Euro. Well done, Catherine, to you. And I did want England to win, says Catherine. Fair play to you, Catherine. And look, they could have easy won. It was a 50-50 game. We could have been here today on a totally different tack altogether. But there you have it. That sport for your fine margins. Well done. €154 to you. Now we move on on late lunch this afternoon. And I really am delighted to say hello to my next guest. She has a great backstory. Uh, She became a a children's author uh, in her life, unexpectedly, to be honest with you, having had a high-flying career elsewhere. And she's renowned 
around now for her series of stories about Johnny McGorry. Yes, but she's back with a brilliant new one. It's called Ode to a Tomboy. And I'm delighted to say hello again to Emma Jane Leeson. Hello, Emma Jane. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. It's great to talk to you again today on the show. Have you any interest in sport? I better ask you before we get going. Not really, but the match was on last night, so my husband was stuck into it here. So. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, that's all right. We leave it at that. It was on in the house and the hubby was enjoying it as well. Look, it's great to talk to you once more and well done on this book, Ode to a Tomboy. Look, you're addressing a, a particular issue in this book. Just give us the backdrop to this because it's from your life growing up and your, your daughter's. Exactly. Yeah. So so basically when I was growing up, I was, I suppose, the quintessential tomboy and, you know, had my He-Men and my dinosaurs and on my communion, didn't want to wear a dress, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but was very strong willed. And I don't think anybody's opinion ever really bothered me in any way, shape, make or form. <laughs> but when my daughter came along, though, well, my youngest, actually, she would be very similar in terms of what she's playing with and kind of the way she dresses style wise and everything. But she unfortunately was actually starting to hide things then because people had told her that she was a tomboy or whatever it was she didn't then want to embrace kind of more girly things per se you know because she was like no I can't do that somebody said I can't do that I'm not supposed to like it and all that type of stuff where I think I was trying to absolutely drive it into her then that you can like whatever you want and you can be whatever you want and labels don't make a difference you know that type of way like so yes. not to be putting herself into a box so that's basically then when I sat down then and wrote Ode to a Tomboy one night and it's just talking about really the labels that we give children and we don't even give it to them like purposely, I don't think. We nearly inadvertently kind of say to a child, oh, she's very quiet or she wouldn't do it or whatever it is like, you know, but maybe it's to be a little bit more mindful, I suppose, us as adults, kind of what we're calling like the children. And then for the children and hopefully that it's read to that they will realise that they can be, do, have and pursue whatever they want to. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it, it, it's an eye opener, I have to say to me, because a tomboy is a, a phrase I would have heard growing up. Do you know what I mean? That they would, somebody would have said, ah, oh, she's a real tomboy, that one. You know what I mean? And a, a sort of a, a throwaway away remark. But a couple of incidents in particular for you. Tell me about uh, the, the doll and the dress. Yeah, so there was just one day we were out in one of the shops and Leila put her eye, I knew her, she'd seen this dress and she was like, oh, she really liked it. So I was like, Grant, I'll buy it for you. But she was basically then kind of put back, oh, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And she wouldn't let me buy it for her then because people had told her that she wouldn't like that or she shouldn't like that because she is a tomboy. <laughs> and the same with a doll then one day. You know, she wouldn't normally play with dolls, has never asked for one. But when she did, one did catch her eye. I again, I said, Grand, you can have it. And again, then she pulled back and wasn't allowing herself to kind of have fun with this toy because people had told her that she should nearly fall into a different box. Like, you know, she shouldn't be playing with that. So, <laughs> yeah, she was being compartmentalised, you know. Mm. Uh, and what age are you talking about here? What age was she roughly? So she's only she's only seven now. She's only gone seven. So it's really yeah. only the last kind of two or three years. Yes. And that last incident, actually, she was she was six, actually, for that. Uh, the one with the dress specifically, you know, mm. like she goes around. She is a real like she's she wears superhero costumes all the time. And, you know, like she kind of wellies on her everywhere she's going and all that. So so it would be quite a change for her to actually get into a dress. But if she wants to get into it, get into it. But she was like, no, I better not because people have this opinion on me and I need mm. to be like that. Isn't that something else that at, you know, five, six, seven years of age that, you know, she's feeling like that or she's aware of, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, w w what she's been 
pointed to, you know what I mean? Pointed as to say, yeah, you're, you're this and because of that, you can't do the other, which is a, a absolute uh, nonsense. You know, you, you say, and I see it quoted, you said you feel so strongly about empowering children not to be confined to labels and to really just be themselves. Do you feel, do you feel that's a societal pressure that's uh, more and more prevalent today? Definitely, yeah. So I think like there's very clear divides still in our shops around pink stuff and blue stuff. And, you know, like, so I suppose I'm talking specifically about, I suppose, a female stereotype, yeah. but but there is a massive gender imbalance out there for, for our children. And I think this should just be more so promoted to just do whatever they want to do. Have fun. Mm. <laughs> and when you were growing, you hark back to that as well. You talk about, like, you know, she didn't lick it off the ground. You were a similar type of uh, a young uh, lady growing up as well. There wasn't as much, you would say, of this distinction. There was just things boys and girls played with and did, and that was it. I think so, yeah. And then, uh, like, I'm a child of the 80s, basically, so I don't think we had as much access to yeah. toys. And it was more so the hand-me-down stuff, kind of, at the time. But, but I mean, look at, like, I'm not for, like, girls not being princesses or anything like that. Yeah. They can, it's just more so just to kind of reinforce the children that you don't have to fit into a label or you don't have to do specific things. You can just, you can like bits of this and bits of that and whatever, just whatever you want to like. <laughs> mm. And and you're not talking about, you know, the way uh, sexuality is a thing today and what you are or what your sexual orientation is. This is not that. This is different. Yeah, no, 100%. This is just, it's a young children's book and it's just, I suppose, promote individuality. Yes, yes. Rather than actually, you know, that debate that's opened up hugely. Do you think there's a pressure in society, if you take it on a few years, just to build on that a little bit, that, you know, children, boys and girls have to, you know, have a label? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, you know, I have teenagers here anyway, and mm. I can see them that as they're getting older, that they're trying to kind of follow certain people and to kind of fall into certain groups and cliques, you know, like so. Yes. And it's nearly kind of rare that we see kids and actually kind of celebrate their individuality and, you know, kind of like nearly step outside the box at this stage like because I just think a lot of maybe girls as well in particular are just trying to fall in and maybe look the same and kind of be the same as their friends and everything for the sake of not standing out but um but yeah it's just I don't know like that's a whole other thing just the message in this book Ben it's just for little children yes. literally to just be and just do and have and whatever it is and it kind of starts like with going through all the cliches of a tomboy that's the way the book's written and then there's a big but stop in the middle and then the whole second part of the book then it's just like but I know a messy tomboy who's really not so tough and she helps mama with the chores and mine of the kids and stuff you know and it breaks down each of the cliches and in each page then as well there's a little message just written to them just again empowering just just do what you want basically have fun. Mm, Ninjas come up in the conversation as well don't they you can't be a ninja some Somebody said to her once, why can't you be a ninja? Mammy said back, didn't you? Yeah, that, that was actually when she came home from junior infants and her heart was broken. She was like, girls can't be ninjas. Somebody told me. <laughs> it's like nonsense. You can be whatever you want to be. <laughs> yeah, you certainly can. And that's uh, that's certainly uh, the message today. I have to say your illustrator, Emma Healy, she's a great bit of stuff, isn't she? She is amazing. And that came around by pure chance. Emma just messaged me one day on Facebook, it was, or something, just saying, like, she was doing illustrations. If you knew anybody, but the minute I seen her style, I was like, oh, love it. It just clicked. And I had only written that book, actually, the night before and everything. So I, I am mad about those illustrations. They're so different from Johnny McGorry, you know, like, they're yes. just so simple. And yeah. <laughs> 
Do you know, do you know when you've written it, the title is Ode to a Tomboy. Do you think tomboy is a word that uh, would be best left aside or forgotten about or cast into uh, the distant memory of history? I don't know. Like, I mean, I would proudly say that I was a tomboy. Yes. I am a tomboy. You know, yeah, the type yeah, of way. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Not at all. I, like, I mean, like, use it as an adjective. Use it as something to describe something. You know, like, but again, it's just that we all know then at the end of the day that if we, we do put a label on it, that we're not just that label, that we can mm. be beyond it. I believe you're going to uh, deal with the uh, male side of things uh, next up. That's your next project. Is it for boys? Yeah, so so yeah. after I wrote this one, anyway, it's funny because a lot of people were getting in touch then saying that it had opened up conversations with their sons as well as their daughters, you know, like when they were after having it read to them. And I suppose I had wrote Boy then, is what I've called the next one, just quite simply Boy. And it's based on my nephew, Joseph, you know, like so. And again, it's just trying to reinforce that message that he can do whatever he wants. You know, like he doesn't have to be the manly man, you know, like so. And that's fine if he wants to be that type of person, that's OK. But other than that, like he can just be whatever he wants to be. Mm, I awaited with interest because this one certainly has uh, caught the attention for sure. Just back to you for a moment. Did you ever believe, you know, Bordemona you worked with, didn't you? Yeah, I was in Bordemona for the first book, yeah. Yeah, you were, you were indeed. I remember it well. Yeah, the way this thing has just taken off for you, Johnny McGorry, it's one of those things I'm sure you pinch yourself at times. I really and truly do. It's honestly like I could have never, ever dreamed that like I would be sitting here in my home office writing children's books <laughs> for a living. Like, you know, like it's just it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And just it just hit home. And I think the fact that I didn't know anybody else knew that rhyme to begin with definitely helped me. <laughs> I kind of went in ignorantly blind to the whole thing and it just grew itself then, which is fantastic. Oh, you see, that's the good thing, because had you known, you might have veered away from this or steered clear of it and wouldn't that have been such a shame that's it that's it like I like I literally wrote that first book just for mommy and daddy and Mm. my own kids you know like and it was just yeah and I honestly I think I was so shy and everything about it at the time and if people had asked me for books I used to die I used to be like oh my god no 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 that's just my own book (laughs) you know like it's not for sale type of thing you know so I definitely think if I had it on at the time it would have went this way I wouldn't have done it so I'm delighted I didn't (laughs) Johnny McGorry's Magical World was where it all began and on it's gone since with uh, many more um you are a great supporter of Crumlin Hospital. Why? Yeah, so I spent a good bit of my own youth actually in Crumlin. Um, so asthma and stuff like that and allergies as a child. But then uh, my youngest then, Layla, who the Tomboy book is based on, she was born with a cleft lip um, in 2014, basically. So bilateral cleft lip. And we had no no history of it in the family, I suppose. So Crumlin were just absolutely and they still are absolutely amazing like they cannot do enough for us she's up and down now a good bit with her teeth and she'll have to get a bone graft when she's older and stuff you know like to kind of finish it off but they're just just amazing so uh, yeah anyway i can support them 100 percent. i do they're brilliant and you're really kind you give proceeds from all of your books uh, a donation towards the hospital which is wonderful as well to know as well because uh, that hospital supports so many children right around so the country it is it is a vital a vital resource what about your um you know your interactive workshops with children i take it they've been difficult or uh, restricted this last year or so yeah so 
again, I think I was just very lucky because my background is HR mm. in the corporate world. So I was quite used to delivering uh, training workshops online across the world right. for adults yeah. <laughs> when I was in Kerry Group. So when the pandemic did start, yes, obviously all of our schools and our shows and everything got cancelled and the whole lot. But but children have been amazing. Like they have all just taken to technology way quicker than a lot of adults have, I suppose. And um, so, yes, yeah, so we started doing writing workshops with them online and then like uh, programs basically having published their own books. And the same with adults now as well. We're doing it too. And then we're just doing readings online and the whole lot. And they've actually gone great. Like, you know, so it's mm. with the libraries, the libraries are just so good. So say like for the end of year school terms and everything, I was zooming into classrooms all around down right. around Clare and Limerick and the whole lot, you know, kind of just we just basically read the books and I played Tim Whistle and they get up in the Irish dance in the background and we learn about the animals in them or whatever it is like you know so yeah. children just adapt amazingly yes. there you go <laughs> and they are quick adapters that's for sure and thank God they are that's the way of the human race and the world look this is uh, another real achievement for you I have to say Ode to a Tomboy it's uh, a lovely book it really is I recommend it highly and you can check out all of the books and all uh, about Emma Jane Leeson on johnnymagory.com keep doing what you're doing Thanks a million, Jerry. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining me again today on the show. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Emma Jane Leeson there. Johnny McGorry. Do you remember when you were a child? I remember my late dad, Brendan, saying to me, will I tell you a story about Johnny McGorry? Will I begin it? And I'd be, be there. That's all that's in it. And you'd want him to say that all the time. You wouldn't care many times to say that. But of course, he'd go on and tell you stories. Lovely, lovely stories indeed. Well done to Emma Jane Leeson on that cracking wee book. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Back in a moment. Yes, Luciano Pavarotti and Nessun Dorma. Never sleep. <laughs> Nobody slept in Italy last night, that's for sure, uh, with the win in the Euros, keeping us on the Italian theme this afternoon reminds me of Italia 90 remember Italia 90 and us and the penalty shootout did you know oh my god what a time what a time it was Liam yes yes they're all claiming they were on the money Liam told you Jerry it would be Italy on penos you did Liam good fellas <laughs> Apache pizza for dinner again says Liam in RD, the pizzas are flying out. They really are, I'm sure. I'm sure if you head to your local Italian tonight, they'll look after you. They might, might get an old discount in the Italian chippers tonight around the place. We all in good mood, you know what I mean? They'll throw in an extra shovel of chips for you. Do you think so, Louise? Do you think they'll throw in the the extra shovel? That that wouldn't be much to ask this evening, would it? I'd say they've been flying for them. Oh, they'll be in the best of form in your local Italian chipper this evening for extra sure. Extra salt and vinegar. Oh, now you're talking. Out in the open. Out in the open. Somebody messaged me the other day. They were away for a walk. I don't know, Siobhan and Neil White, when we were talking about things to do in the summer, she said she never enjoyed a bag of chips like it when they went for a long walk and came back and just got chips, salt and vinegar and sat in the wall. Oh, lovely. The the lovely. smell. Oh, stop, will you? Will you put the go on me now? I'll be away myself this evening. <laughs> I'll have to stop off on the way home. <laughs> ah, well, you're putting, uh, putting a little twinkle in my eye for that one. You didn't see, Louise, did you see this? You know the Dublin Bay South uh, by-election happened the weekend? Yep. And Ivana Bacic, congratulations to her, topped the poll, Labour winning a seat in Dáil Éireann. Uh, weren't expected to, uh, and, and she won, and won comfortably as well, it had to be said. But you didn't see the count centre, did you, the next day? Now, for all you conspiracy theorists out there, hello, Peter. Um, <laughs> did you see Sergeant Hugh Shovlin? 
No? Did you see this? No, I heard about ah, it, but Louise, I didn't see it. Louise, look at Go on to YouTube, folks, to have a look at this. Let me tell you, folks, that uh, lecturer, she's lecturing UCD, Miss Dolores Cal, independent, and I think they have it wrong in the Sunday independent here. They give her 179 votes, Louise. 179 votes. I think she only got 169, but I'll check that out. Well, whether she got 169 or 179, it's absolutely abysmal. And this woman doesn't believe in COVID or wearing masks or vaccines or anything. And she tried to enter the count centre without a mask on. She okay. didn't get in. She didn't get in. Congratulations to all in sundry who prevented her. Sergeant Hugh Shovlin in particular, who played an absolute <laughs> blinder with her. Oh, you should look at it. He was just great. That's, you know, that sums it up. We'll give her 179 votes. She got 179 votes. She won't get her deposit back. That's the level of support that's out there. That's, that's her support. 179 votes. Just remember that. Just keep that Money in, your, turned out. in your mind. Well, if you, it, the, the turnout, in, now the turnout was not bad for a by-election, about 35%, which, you know, yeah. it, for a by-election. But the, Ivana Batchik got 13,300 oh, votes. Oh, wow. You understand? Mm-hmm. James Gagan got 9,200 votes. Lynn Boylan got 5,200 votes. Claire Byrne from the Green Party even managed 3,000 votes. And Miss Cal got... We'll give her 179. I was going give her the extra 10 there. And we have to give her a shout out to one of her own there that took part in the elections. Uh, Mairead Tobin. Oh, from she Navin. got almost 1,000 votes for Aintu. First time Aintu's out. Aintu's first time out there. Yes, decent enough as well. 179. 179. <laughs> Is it 169 or 179? Ah, sure. What's 10 votes between friends? But if you only get 179, I suppose 10 votes is massive. It really is. Anyway, I rest my case, Your Honour. Uh, late launch LMFM radio, still to come on the show. The money doctor, John Lowe, we haven't talked to him in ages. He's going to sort of do a mid-year chat with me now. A few things on the agenda. If you have a question on finances, shoot them into us now. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Neve Shaw wants to go into space. Branson did the weekend. What has Dr Neve Shaw to say? We'll find out my artist of the week. They're from the Wish of Ireland. And we'll uh, be marking 50 years of Trimfold. Stay with us on Late Lunch. You'd have to feel sorry for my next guest. He follows Tottenham Hotspur for his sins. Never play him at golf. He's a bandit, that's for sure. But when you want to know about financial matters, he's your man. It's the money doctor, John Lowe. Hello, John. Hello, Jerry. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Thank you for joining me again on the show. Again to you, I'm asking everybody today. You were watching, I know, last night. Oh, I tell you, you know, you, you, you played the Ness and Dorma song. I was just telling Louise there. Uh, my memory of that is 1994, Jerry. I was one of the fortunate ones to be in Giants Stadium to see Ireland beating uh, Italy 1-0. Uh, great goal from Ray Houghton. And we went after to the Smith & Walensky famous restaurant, uh, our group of about 20 basically bankers then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Sorry, that should be off. But anyway, so I uh, we went in and it was just all Ness and Dormant the whole night, basically. Yes. Uh, and I met Ray Houghton uh, about less than two, three years ago at a, a function in Trinity College, sitting beside him. And I said, what did you guys do after the Giant Stadium? And he said, we were stuck in the in the uh, stadium for two and a half hours. Yes. I said, what were you stuck in the two? I said, well, apparently they have, uh, they give samples. Certain players are yeah. nominated to give a sample at the end of a game. Mm. One of those players was Tommy Coyne. And he couldn't give a sample, Jerry, for two and a half hours. 
<laughs> so they were all stuck. So the, whole, the whole squad were stuck in the giant stadium for two and a half hours until he, he, he gave the sample. <laughs> <laughs> Great one, John. So, oh, uh, lovely, uh, lovely memories of that time. I was at that game myself, sitting right behind the dugout. I could nearly touch Charlton on that day. I'll never forget the heat in the stadium. I don't know how they bloody played, but anyway, it was history. It was making. all Ireland, wasn't it? I mean, ah, when yeah, you went into yeah, the yeah. stadium, every flag was Irish. It, it was, was unbelievable. It was incredible. It was like a home it game. It was. <laughs> and anyway, we won and history was made. John, welcome back to the show. We haven't talked in a Thank while. You. Can I begin yeah. by asking you this? There's been quite a bit of talk around at the moment about, you know, the, the long-term mortgage with the fixed rate. And we've had a number of people on to us and we were telling them you were coming on asking us, should they fix their mortgage rate now? Well, interest rates, Jerry. first of all, are here to stay for long term on a low basis. You're, you're talking about like that 20 year um, kind of mortgage, fixed mortgage, by the way, is uh, if you're if you're borrowing less than 60 percent, uh, it's 2.6 percent fixed for 20 years. Uh, that's unique. You've also got the best uh, seven year fixed rate of 1.95. To me, that suggests that interest rates are not going any uh, up anytime soon. So we're he- we've got a certain amount of stability. But for those people who want to get utter and total uh, security in their mortgage repayments, then I would uh, certainly suggest that they fix them uh, for those kind of periods, because then you don't have to worry whether interest rates are going to go up or down, or whether inflation is going to suddenly hit in five years' time. All of those things are, are, are taken out of the equation. It's it's interesting, Jerry, that you know with property prices now going absolutely mad, mm. and rents uh, uh, also going mad. There was a, uh, you probably saw the report there recently where you know house prices have gone up by you know fifteen hundred euros per week yes. in quarter two, and they're now uh, at you know four hundred and fifty six thousand six hundred and sixty seven a four point one percent increase. This is in Dublin. Um, uh, increase in just 12 weeks. So across the country, it's it's about 12% for the year. Drogheda, by the way, is the most expensive uh, or, or the biggest increase. I don't know whether you're aware of that. Double digit. In quarter two, Drogheda went 13.5% increase, which is 19% per annum of an increase in property prices. So John, so the well, average- well, well, back to Celtic Tiger times. We're, we're nearly are, Jerry, but it's a bit worrying, actually. And, and the main reason for that, by the way, is, is twofold. One, um, the demand and supply. You know, there's not enough properties being uh, built or, or put on the market. And secondly, we've all got, you know, the last 18 months, we haven't been able to spend our money. So mm-hmm. we've got money in our pockets. Uh, an average semi-detached now uh, across Ireland, uh, the average price now has risen 10 thousand to two hundred and fifty three thousand six hundred and eighty five euros so you know as i say demand ex- exceeds supply but you know it, it's it, it, the one thing i would say about people who are buying their home um it doesn't really matter about the price because this is going to be your home you're not buying a home for an investment yes. generally yes you're buying it because you want to live somewhere and you you you've And you know what? You make a great point because during when we all went Belubis, everyone was saying, mine's worth this. It's gone up so much. It's this, that and the other. You're so right. If it's your family home, it's your home. You need to get it, buy a home and it's yours and you pay what you pay. You get your mortgage out. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask you about when it comes to mortgages. Switching Mm. mortgages and you've always been one to say, you know, always shop around, look at the switch. I I met somebody lately who tried to do that and they said it was like jumping through hoops to get it done 
Well, there's a number of, of steps you do have to take. Number one, you've got to have the, set, the, the right uh, income. Bear in mind, it's three and a half times income unless you're a public sector worker or you're in the professional class, you know, solicitor, uh, barrister, doctor, dentist, that kind of mm. uh, profession. You can get more than your three and a half times income uh, and at certain times of the year. So that's the first consideration. The second consideration is, is your property um, worth the same amount of money when you bought it? So you could have bought, got a property a 90% loan to value, um, you know, 10 years ago, yep. and it's now in negative equity. You know, so you, you, the maximum that you can actually switch is 80% loan to value. That's the maximum. Yes. And the, the third thing then is your good name, your credit history. Um, you know, have you have you got a, you know, do an ICB or they call it the central credit register.ie. It's a free test to see what your credit history is like. Um, and if you have one blip, like, you know, you just have maybe one missed car payment. Well, that's going to be there for five years, Jerry, and that will go against you okay. getting your okay. mortgage being. So put. those key factors are are to be considered before you go to somebody else looking for yeah. a, a switch. You won't be entertained if you don't tick those boxes. Absolutely not. Okay, that's uh, and so your income and also those people who are on, for instance, pup payments. Yep. Um, you know th- that'll affect them. They need to be off the pup payments and on normal uh, and and the company relatively okay you know that it's not doing the ewss payments either yes now i have a question of you and this this might uh you know reflect uh maybe a number of people in this situation jerry would you ask john while he's on with you there i i can top up my mortgage i've been paying it off consistently for the last four to five years and a little more even and i'm now in a position i've just uh checked with my lender that i can top up i have another uh, a number of other loans a car loan a credit union loan i have a credit card and I have loans for appliances in my home. I can top up and clear off all the others and just pay the mortgage. Would John advise I do that? It's a very difficult because the worst aspect about uh, lending and borrowing is high interest, short term debt. And that gentleman, Jerry, is obviously experiencing that because that short term high interest debt is crippling his his income, mm. which is his number one uh, you know, asset. And therefore, it, it, you know, by amalgamating, the only thing is you need a certain discipline. You need to you need to do a budget because you don't want this to happen in another five years time. Yes. Suddenly you find, oh my gosh, I've got all these uh, car loans and other loans. I'll put them all together and do it again, except you might have negative equity in five years time. Who knows? So that's what actually happened, you know, 13 years ago when people were, and the banks were very, uh, laissez-faire as they call it uh, about being able to grant this kind of thing you can't get that kind of uh, facility now really in the main banks there's a couple of banks who will give you maybe up to 20,000 one up to 60,000 where they don't ask any questions you yeah. know they don't look for uh, for receipts or invoices mm. but if you're doing anything of a, of a major nature like a refurbishment the, the lenders will want to see invoices and receipts later so the one thing I will say to you, though, uh, is income is your number one asset. And therefore, if you are struggling with all of these uh, short term high interest debts, yeah. yes, it's a good idea okay. to, to invest. I mean, I had to get in touch, Jerry, with a credit union for a client who had taken out 100,000. And this person was, uh, you know, actually a, a, a pilot, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And they, they gave him a five-year term. And I, I rang up the, the this credit union manager and I said, look, if you are going to continue giving this gentleman, 
you know, a five-year term. He will be bankrupted within three years. He can't afford a five-year term. But I tell you what he can afford is a 10-year term. And it's, it's more incumbent up to you um, to give him a 10-year t- term because it means you have this client for 10 years. And credit unions are actually dying at the moment to give out money. They can't, you know, they've got too much money on yes. and they're being charged by the pillar banks for the surplus funds that they have. So it it, um, it it really is, I would go back to the credit union, actually, of all those loans, because they probably have the best rates yes. for, you know, that. Yeah. And, and look for a seven or a 10 year term okay. rather than add it to your mortgage, uh, because it depends on how much it is as well. If it's underneath those uh, amounts like 20,000 discretionary, then yes, go to uh, that lender and go and get the extra 20,000. And if it pays off all your, your yes. little loans, okay. Okay, so the credit union, if you're in that scenario that you have that separately, you go and talk to them about extending the term. Here's another one just come in in for you here. Uh, Jerry, I'm due to retire within the next three months. I have a lump sum coming as well as my pension. What do I do? The interest rates are appalling. Okay, well, the, the lump sum is very easy because, um, one, you, you look at your, your whole life now at this moment in time and see what needs kind of change. You need to upgrade your car, you need to do any refurbishment in your home, uh, do you need to go on a nice holiday? Uh, you know, you've worked hard enough all your life. This is the lump sum that will help, uh, you know, pay some of that. So when you've done all that and you've got another part of your lump sum still left over, then you're talking about either short term or long term. If you're like 65 and retiring, uh, you still have at least 20 more plus years ahead to 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 enjoy life. So you might decide, right? I, I'm I'm going to either you know put it into prize bonds, for instance. You have to leave it there for three months, and then at the end of three months, you're going to have to give seven days notice. So you can take the whole lot out. So, but you could win. It's like going to the bookie, yes. Except knowing you're going to get your your bet back, but you might win as well. Yeah. Um, that's just, you know, kind of interim up to one year, two years, because the interest rates are appalling. The best one year fixed rate, Jerry, 0.2% before their tax. Mm. You're also talking about, you know, the best 10 year uh, deposit rate is, would you believe, 10% from the NTMA and their national solidarity bond. You're looking at 1.43% per year gross per annum is what that that yield is. Yes. That's a really low amount. And that, believe it or not, is the best deposit rate in the country, believe it or not. So if you wanted to put it away for 10 years, that long term with uh, the national uh, state agency is the one. management agency. Yeah, yeah the- I mean, it, it's safe, Jerry. It's safe because it's government backed. That's yeah. the only thing about it. Can you take it, it out? You, you can, but you lose all the interest on that. Ah, there's, there's a catch in that there. So anything yeah. else, Sean, that with a bit of security, or are we just whistling Dixie until the rates rise sometime? Well, the rates rates are not going up. Okay, they Well, I'll tell you something that's going to happen in, in the very near future. You're going to be charged for the deposits that you have in the bank. That's that's coming next because the credit unions, as they've already been charged for their surplus funds, Bank of Ireland are charging 0.4%. AIB are charging uh, 0.65%. That's so what do we card. do, John? What do we do? Put it into the box. Put it under the bed. Well, <laughs> well, well now, now you, I mean, the stock market, without a shadow of a doubt, is the best 
asset class of them all in terms of growth of any of those assets, the stock market or any 10 year period, it will always come best. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, as Warren Buffett said, the stock market is a mechanism for transferring wealth from the inpatient to the patient. So you do need time. I mean, if you look at 13 years ago when we had our big recession, all of it came back bar the bank shares. You look at last March year, coronavirus hit, 20, 30% in the stock market went down. Yeah. Four months later, it's all back. And in fact, it's, re- it's gone even further back. So we've had 26 bull markets. We've had 26 bear markets. We're now back in, uh, uh, on a bull market again. Okay. So-, so, I mean, the stock market itself, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, for the faint hearted. Yeah. You really do need expert advice on that. And the expert is the money doctor, John Lowe. Moneydoctor.ie. It's great to catch up with you, John. Talk to you soon. And I'm playing, thanks, you, for that. I'm playing you for that tenor for sure. John, thanks for joining <laughs> okay, me. Take luck. care. Bye-bye. Bye bye bye. That's John Lowe, the money doctor there. Sound man, great advice. Late launch LMFM radio. Next up, we're heading into space. You do know Richard Branson rocketed into space yesterday. Yes, there were other things happening in the world and beyond than football on his Virgin Galactia. A lady I met several moons ago, no pun intended. Uh, scientist, engineer, writer, presenter, Dr. Neve Shaw wants to go into space herself one day and she joins me. Hello again, Neve. Hello, how are you? Always lovely to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm good and great to talk to you too. And won't you send on our regards to your dad, please, when oh, you're talking to him. Yeah, please, to, yeah, to, to Tom. Indeed, yeah. Great, great man. Yeah. Uh, and your mum, of course, too. Now, what yeah. about yesterday? What did it mean to you? It was great. You know what? It was great because Richard Branson has been pushing hard to get to, you know, to get to space and to fly in his Virgin Galactic craft for the last four, 17 years. And it is testament to tenacity and to just pushing hard. Obviously, for him, having access to, to billions also helped. But it really was that it really was that moment. I mean, in terms of the history of, of Virgin, they had already uh, conducted a lot of test flights and this was another test flight. But it was it was an important moment because they had their founder on board and that was that was a promise that he made to the world that he would make space tourism available and it was a very positive sign that they're serious about that and they're moving forward with that. So it was very, very hopeful yesterday, you know, mm. and um, I, of course, I mean, everybody would love to experience that and, and what was lovely by the end of the, um, you know, as they were gliding down, they, um, the presenter was giving details about all the other local attractions. So, you know, they're very clear in what they're trying to do, which is that they want to create this really positive experience for anybody that has ever dreamed of getting to space and, and knowing what that feels like. They're giving you an opportunity in a very safe and quick way where you don't have to spend years training or, you know, mm. uh, uh, giving up, uh, sacrificing a lot for your life. It's going to be an experience that everybody can enjoy and hopefully over time um, you know they, they will get their FAA licence to make it happen and hopefully again over time that the price tag for those sort of experiences will go down and they will be genuinely available mm. for, for lots of people which would be great it would be great Would Neve Shaw's mm-hmm. name be lined up for a ticket? Oh yeah I mean I'd love to go it's not the it's not the end goal really I mean if, if I could go I kind of want to spend a day or two in yes. because yeah. You know, it's to really get that view. I, know. I, I you know, yeah. I know that their experience is quite short and I know that you're probably only four, I think it's like you're four minutes 
Yes. Um, in in space, and you've got about just under thirty grav thirty seconds of consistent um, weightlessness feeling. But you know, you can still get a lot in. Mm. You can still get a lot in. But I guess for for somebody who wants to write about it and yeah. wants to kind of absorb it and everything, you you probably would need longer because it's such an overwhelming experience. Like even Richard Branson, when he came down yesterday, he tried in his interview to capture what he felt and he couldn't. You can't because I think there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to it, you know, mm. so it'll take him a long time to be able to articulate it. So, um, yes, of course, I'd love to go. But I'm even more ambitious. Ah. International Space Station. There you go. That just wet the appetite yesterday, you see, for (laughs) Neve. She wants to go to NASA up on the pad there and boom, away she goes and spend more time up there, perhaps on on the space station as well. But just explain for listeners, because this is different, really. Uh, A carrier plane. This is a plane that took off from a, a, you know, a a strip, an airstrip, and went into space yeah so it's a special um design it might limit them long term in in being able to do more than just offer that short that that short flight compared to the designs of other uh companies that are providing kind of space tourism um launches but it's very smart it's um it's a plane that has a kind of um a, a section in the middle and in that middle section is connected the actual part of the plane that travels to space. So at the bottom of that plane, there is um, a rocket booster. So they go, they, they go quite high and then they separate. The plane keeps moving forward and they, they, the, the middle part, the rocket, which is, which, is kind of, which is called Unity, which is the craft that happened yesterday, that goes vertical and is powered by this rocket that fires them that little bit further up and that's the additional four minutes where they're actually up in space and they go, they're not, they don't actually hit the Carmen line, but I don't think anybody really minds anymore. People kind of, they have the line of where space begins has become more and more vague. But, but mm. you do get to see, the most important thing is you get to see the darkness of space and you get to see the Earth from a distance. And yes. 85, 85 kilometers up is certainly higher than you would see on, in an airplane. Yeah. So yeah. So and then what happens then is so they they go up and then they make a kind of a, a big sort of a, an upside down U shape and they reach the apex and then they start to come down and then the plane glides down. So they turn off the rocket and they just it just naturally glides down by these by this sort of a feather. They call it a feather and that allows them to decide whether they want to, uh, how high up they want to turn the nose of off the glider or how low they want to turn the glider and they just safely. Return and they return quite fast as well. They return back in about five or for five or ten minutes. So mm. yeah, it was great, and it was great to see. It's just great for him. It was a day yesterday about his journey, and he is the first of all the companies that have you know set up these spacefaring um, opportunities for the public. So you have three: you've Elon Musk, and um, who's who's also gone into like private space. Um, as well as commercial space, you've got uh, Jeff Bezos from um, Blue Origin. And of course, they're, they're flying on the 20th. There's yes. a massive one coming up now next week as well. And then there's Richard. And of the three of them, he's the first to go up, you know. So yeah. it's, and, and, you know, he's been at it a long time. So he deserved it. He deserved his moment yesterday. He is the man who made history. Just to come back to the plane again, the part that separates and goes up, 
it comes yeah. back to Earth of its own accord. It doesn't reconnect yeah. with the plane. No. No, no. Yes. It just comes back down. I see. Uh, like a normal. And plane the plane would. heads back down and lands itself. Then yes. I see. I yes. see. Very, very yeah. interesting. And then Unity. Yeah, Unity. Then is like a miniature rocket kind of glider. So they get they get that extra but they get that extra bang to go up faster yeah. just for that for, for a couple of minutes and then they kind of turn and then they start start to return and they use these two feathers they're like two tails you mm. see at the back of that you'll see it at the back of it and they they can decide whether they want to go vertically or they want to go horizontally whatever and they slowly glide back so it's a very safe one thing I'll tell you is that it's a very safe way. Yeah. to travel um, to space because you're effectively in a plane for yeah. 85% of the time. It's you know? amazing, isn't it? The yeah. uh, development that it is and that we're at this yeah. stage now that you can go yeah. up there and God knows where this will go in the future. I'm just looking. Um, he, he announced uh, shortly afterwards that he's uh, open yeah. to paying customers at $250,000 a seat uh, next year. Mm-hmm. And listen to this, folks. Uh, he was so buoyed up by the whole thing that he's having a sweepstake, right? Benefiting Space for Humanity, it's called, and two winners from the sweepstake will be on board. (laughs) And we can all apply. So it's Omaze. Omaze. So this website is omaze.com and it's like there's loads of them. Just go in there and like you can put in for $5 or $10 or I think the maximum bid is it could be me. It could, it be, could you. be you next time round listening to us today. Neve, I have to leave it there. Thank you for joining me. All right, take care. Best wishes Bye. to you. Take care. Dr. Neve Shaw there. She's lovely reflecting on Branson in space yesterday. Oh, Peter, Peter's back to me. Yes, Peter's back to me about uh, Dolores. Uh, Cahill, who got 169 or maybe 179 votes in the the Dublin Bay by-election. Peter said it's a hobnob constituency. Wrong, Peter, wrong straight away. It's a mixed constituency. Uh, the Garda won't be laughing when he's summoned to court. Oh, no, he won't be summoned to court. He is upholding the law and upheld the law marvellously and so on and so on you go. I'm giving these to Louise, Peter. She's getting them ready for the book. We're doing a book for the bewildered, myself and Louise. <laughs> She's going to edit it for me. Anyway, thanks indeed. Keep the messages coming to us. I enjoy them. I really do. And I'll read them within reason. Now, my artists of the week this week. Let me tell you the story. Keen Egan, Mark Feely and Shane Filan, all schoolmates at Summerhill College in Sligo, formed a pop group uh, with three other local lads, which was called Six as One. That was back in 1997. The name changed to IOU. They pitched the group and their singing to Simon Cowell, but failed to secure a record deal or his backing, not because of the vocals, but because of the way they looked. Yes, Cowell told Louis Walsh, who subsequently became their manager, that he'd have to ditch the three no-lookers. And so, poor Derek Lacey, Graham Kieran and Michael Garrett were jettisoned for Nicky Byrne and Brian McFadden following auditions in Dublin. And so, on the 3rd of July, 1998, Westside formed as a five-piece. But you see, somebody else was Westside, so they had to change tag immediately and became known as Westlife. Opening for Boys Own and Backstreet Boys in Dublin later that year, well, that gave them a big break. And, of course, they appeared with Gabo on The Late Late Show, which gave them huge profile as well. A four million Euro record deal was signed with RCA Records and in April 1999 they released what would be their biggest what would be the 
biggest selling debut single which went to number one in the UK and Ireland. And here it is, the first one ever, number one from Westlife. I want to know Whoever told you I was letting go The only joy that I have ever known Girl, the lying All over again Yeah all over again. Sorry, Keen. Westlife there, yes, with their first ever number one hit, Swear It Again, the first of many. They're my artists of the week this week on Late Lunch. So popular they are the world over. And we'll hear more about the boys and we'll uh, play another, spin another one from them tomorrow round about this time on Late Lunch. 12th of July. Well, I see our neighbours up the road were doing the bit for climate change last night. Anyway, the 12th of July is a big day in Trim and County Meath for Trimfold because they opened their doors 50 years ago on this very day and uh, their MD Eugene Healy is joining me next. 12th of July is a special day for many people who live on this island of ours, especially in the northern half of the country. But it was a big day in Trim 50 years ago this very day. Yes, July 12, 1971, Trimfold opened their doors. They're a great success story. They really are. And a man who's been with them for more years than he cares to remember joins me again on Late Lunch. He's the MD Eugene Healy. Hello, Eugene. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me again. Well, congratulations on 50 years. It's a hell of a long innings. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not many. Not many make it that far. Shall we say? No, not uh, many indeed. How did it all begin? Or who began it? Well, it began with two local people. Um, that there was a factory here in Trimmon Envelope Factory. So these two local people that worked there, uh, uh, Barbara Allen and Christopher Buckley. And uh, with the help of a couple of local investors, I believe Norman Pratt was in it at the time, and um, Matt Gilson. You know, Matt, the, yes, that thing. Yes, yeah. and Norman, the uh, greenhouse man. The greenhouse man, exactly. So um, so they, they they started off, obviously the, the main protagonist was Barbara Allen and Christopher Buckley, as they were the envelope people. Uh, so it started from there, started hand-folding envelopes down in Mill Street, actually. And uh, and basically went from there, strength to strength. And you've been there since? 75. Right, so you were there, you know, a few years after it began and you worked your way. What did you begin doing? What was your first job uh, there? Summer job. <laughs> Good man. Good <laughs> or, man. Or a casual job. I came in here, it was a stopgap for me. I had other plans. But <laughs> I came in here and sort of fell in love with what I was doing. And I was lucky, Jerry, in one sense that, you know, uh, I, I believe uh, things fall for you. You need a bit of luck with everything. Yeah. So I just liked the work, and then the company was developing, and they were looking um, for an engineer. So they started training me for that role, and basically worked on from there. Oh, you you're know. a great story. You really are, and an inspiration to others. You know what I mean? That you you start, and you never know where life takes you. You said things fall well, in absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I do sometimes. Uh, uh, give you know, leaving Sarah students uh, a, a chat sometimes, and mm. and as you say to them, because they always say, "Oh, how did you end up doing what you're doing?" I, I said, "Look, it's not how you how you start out or anything. It's where you're going to end up, and opportunities present themselves to you. Yeah. Just get yourself an education. Uh, opportunities will present themselves. Like none of us ever. A lot of people haven't started out to be, yeah. you know, a particular uh, career path." 
and yes. then you know follow that right through some people have but a lot of people haven't yeah you you're, t- you're talking to one of them here today god knows how i ended up here behind this yeah. microphone but there you are i have i did well, i did and i know what here. yeah i know same what you're here. talking about eugene anyway you you mentioned where it started the new premises where you are now when did that move happen or were you somewhere else before that it, first place? it started small down in mill street yeah and then in uh, 74 it moved up here to this industrial set where it is now. Mm. And basically over the years, that was 74, and in 88, we acquired uh, the building beside us, which was, at the time, uh, Polymark. It was a label-producing business. Mm. They closed up. Uh, Trimfold bought it. And then the IDA, where I'm sitting now, there's an IDA building. It was an IDA building, and that came up for sale, I think it was 92. Yes. Uh, so there was an agreement with Trimfold back in the day and it was taken over by Trimfold in 92. There you go. It's a yeah. great success story. How many have you working for you? We have uh, close on 60. I think it's 57 at Good the moment. on you. You're a big employer there in that area. Yeah. And you know, you know, you heard this before. Sure, I heard it. Uh, we can get rid of all paper now. The post is finished. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> will, Nothing could be further from the truth. Tell them how many envelopes you produce in a year, roughly. Uh, well, we're producing uh, in the region 600 million. Now, folks, did you hear that little word that that, that Eugene uh, said there a moment ago? Million, 600 million. So listen. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you some some silly facts now yeah. from the time we started. Yeah. Uh, from the time we started, we've made in the region of 35 billion envelopes. Right. We've used uh, about 12 and a half kilometres of, of paper. Yeah. That's it. That's enough to <laughs> go around the air three times. <laughs> and enough to go to the moon uh, and back 16 times. Oh, there you beat Branson. You beat Branson. I knew it. <laughs> We've been to the moon long before him, huh? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but again, again, all sustainable, recyclable, you know. Uh, this is the myth about paper that, you know, paper people are burning down or cutting down rainforests. Mm. Never further from the truth. You know, yeah, it's all from sustainable forests. There, yes, these forests are planted like the mm. farmer plants his corn, and they, that they don't harvest every year. They harvest about every seven years. Yes, you know, yeah. So you know, the the sustainability is a big yeah. thing in the ethos of of the business as well. So you know, when you mention that amount, oh my word, this is incredible. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody with such a, a volume of output ever. But even in a year, six hundred million envelopes. Where is the demand? Where does that come from? Is there a lot of government stuff in that? Uh, there would be government stuff in it. There's the banks. Like, like I don't know who you bank with, but your bank statement is our envelope. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. No matter which of the banks you're with. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, we have all those contracts. Yes. Uh, we have the government contract. Um, so, yeah, so that's core business for us. And then we have... You know, all of the other, what I call, uh, the business that is on demand every day. So you're quoting these type of jobs every day. People yeah. doing mail shots, whatever, yes. you know. Yes, yes. There's a couple of messages coming to us. Oh, Jerry, I love getting cards, says one listener in the post. Another one there saying, you can never, ever, Jerry, beat the letter in the post. You see, there's always, I, I agree. I, I think there's always, no matter what way we move technology-wise as well, it, it is still something that will be well, part. One of the one of the things, uh, Jerry, that that's uh, like people overlook is when somebody sits down. Now, a hundred envelopes are, uh, or hundred letters are fantastic. Mm. Uh, 
Um, we do a lot of commercial stuff, but we do all the card side of things as well, for uh, uh, envelopes for greeting cards. Yes. But nothing says it like a handwritten message to somebody. No. In an envelope. Yeah. You can see that person took care. Yeah. You know, of what they're doing, rather than just bang off an email. Yes. You know. I couldn't agree with you more and I often say it here and they know it on uh, they know it, my listeners on late lunch I love to get a card I love to get a letter Lovely. in the post and I do get them they tip in here with different things and you know I'm like a child when they arrive I read them I treasure them yeah, yeah. I have a big display of them up uh, in the office as well and I thank everybody who does that but well, I yeah, love that somebody that sits down and takes the time to write in to Jerry yeah you know, they have to be congratulated that ah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, involved, it's simply know. wonderful now here's the big question yeah. 50 years is a special time what are you doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Well, we've just today had a, a 50-year flag-raising ceremony. Uh, we've had a little bit of a get-together for all the staff here out in the front lawn. It's all done with me for an hour. Obviously, with the way things are, uh, with social distancing, we, we can't really have a party or anything like that. So we just had some finger food and that for the staff and opened a bottle of uh, non-alcoholic champagne and off we went. I <laughs> <laughs> can't be sending people back to work. Oh, listen. <laughs> listen, uh, Louise, my producer, just after saying to me, quoted to me, she said to, make sure I say to you, that crowd in Trimfold, you turn up to the opening of an envelope. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 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 That's our Louise for you. And I'll tell you, uh, the tipples are, are going good with that. Yeah, anyway, look, uh, I wanted to say, we wanted to acknowledge today on Late Lunch, longevity, 50 years at the heart of the community in Trim, doing a wonderful job, cutting-edge technology, supplying Ireland and the world. May you be there for 50 years and more to come. And Thank I wish you, you a much, happy I, birthday. I hope the company is here for the next yes, 50 years. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. Geez, uh, sorry, I wasn't trying to pin you to the desk. <laughs> that was nearly like a question for the England manager today. Are you oh, staying God, on yeah. or are you going? Eugene, look, I know. <laughs> yes, the company is right. Congratulations to all concerned, Eugene. Uh, health aware yeah, and nice thank you for joining me. You too. You too. Cheers, Take care. Bye-bye. 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 That's Eugene Healy there. MD of Trimfold celebrating 50 years in business today in Trim in County Mead. Well done to them. And that man went in for a summer job. There you are. Late lunch. That's our lot today. Tomorrow on the show, all for Amelia. A little nine-year-old girl who needs our help. We're going to hear about it on the show tomorrow from her mum and her aunt. Kathleen Chute is back with us on the show as part of our COVID Through the Generation series. Looking forward to catching up with Kathleen again. And I'm sure we'll have to give Professor Paul a call tomorrow, won't we? The way things are. Anyway, Eddie Gavry's coming next with The Drive. See you tomorrow, Tuesday at half one. Have a nice evening. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.